Have you ever prayed for a miracle? Although God always answers our prayers, He doesn't always answer them in the way we desire. Join us today as I talk with a man who prayed fervently for a miracle. He prayed that the Lord would spare his twin sons, who had been born prematurely. God did perform a miracle, but it wasn't the one this man had prayed for. The Lord allowed him to feel God's peace when he handed his sons over to the loving arms of the Savior. He came to realize the depth of God's love for us and fully appreciate what the Father had done for all of us when he allowed his son to suffer and die for our sins. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss today's program. My guest is Reverend Dr. Stephen Shave, Director of Urban and Inner City Mission and Director of Church Planting for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries, and your host for today's program. Thanks, Reverend Shave, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you have a story to share. Uh, I just gave a little bit of it in the introduction. We hope everyone will continue to listen. I'd like you to just share that story and maybe go back to a few weeks before it began and tell our listeners who you were. Yeah, sure. So I was uh, just a regular guy, kind of living the American dream, had worked hard, um, had a good job, kind of living uh, in a nice house and nice car, a beautiful wife. Um, everything was kind of going my way as I had expected and always had planned. Um, one of the interesting things was uh, it was just a couple weeks beforehand, uh, well into our pregnancy, that we had found out we were expecting to have twin sons and no no sign of uh, twins in our family, but it kind of turned out my wife had been kind of praying that maybe God would provide for, for us to have twins in, in her first pregnancy. So everything was just really going as I had planned smoothly. And, you know, you work hard, you get the results you expect, and, and everything was uh, going according to what I thought would happen. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about? It Was this your first children? It was our first. So yes. how were you feeling about that news? The twins? Yeah. yeah I mean, it was really exciting. Um, uh, I'm a big football fan, so I kind of thought, hey, I got my two linebackers. You know, maybe this is just God's giving me my two sons, and it's, everything's going to be golden after this. And uh, was just really thinking about their future and excited about what it would be as a father of twins. You know, never really considered that and thought, wow, just an abundant blessing to, to look forward and started to plan things out in my own mind of mm-hmm. what it'll be like to do that. Yeah. 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 So um, then your wife's water broke. Tell mm. us what happened. Where were you when you got that news? Yeah. So uh, I was working in downtown Cincinnati, had a very good job in the finance industry and um, just a regular day at work. My wife had told me uh, she wasn't feeling well. So we actually did take her to the doctor in the morning and he thought she had some flu-like symptoms, but she went off to work uh, that day as well because he had said everything's fine, um, didn't do a lot of checking on things. And then I got that phone call that uh, no expectant father ever wants to get. Um, I knew that my wife was uh, very premature at about 26 weeks. Mm. And so when she called me, um, she was obviously in a panic and she said, Steve, my water's broke. And... Um, you know, just that was the moment uh, that everything in my life turned upside down. 
Wow. So what happened then? So then uh, I went to try to meet her. They took her by ambulance to a hospital um, that was closest to where she was working at the University of Cincinnati. And then they didn't have a a NICU unit um, that could help with uh, that preemie of a baby. Um, So then they had to take her to another hospital. And so then I chased behind the ambulance and, you know, uh, I'll just never forget getting to the hospital and... uh, just how, how sterile it felt, how alone I was. Um, they just put me out on a stool to sit, <laughs> uh, just, you know, kind of s- tears streaming down my face and through my hands. I wasn't a very emotional guy, but just to uh, to think about my wife in the room behind me um, in the operating room, um, it was just very kind of a tormenting uh, few hours for me for sure. And then when the nurse finally did come out, um, she told me that there were some concerns from my wife as well because her blood pressure had dropped significantly and it was extremely uh, dangerous for her to have this uh, emergency C-section uh, to deliver our, our twin sons. So that was just kind of a moment where um, just everything going your way, um, being very kind of naive to the sudden realization that I could leave this hospital today completely alone Mm. and all the things that I should have done and said and how much I took for granted, especially my marriage and my wife and that I could lose everything I loved, uh, in just a matter of moments. So, uh, it was, it was a very jarring, uh, experience and, uh, I'll just never, never forget that, that day and sitting in that, that, uh, surgery, um, hallway sitting on that bench alone, alone (laughs) until my pastor got there. Yeah. I was just going to (laughs) say your pastor did come then. Uh, Absolutely. Um, you know, after kind of all the emergency C-section and things that happened and calmed down just a little bit, I was able to contact my, my pastor, and he came over as as soon as he could. Um, but, you know, it was enough time for me to really reflect on what, what could happen um, on that day. And I was just so grateful as soon as he walked down that hallway to see his face. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he himself had uh, lost a daughter to mm. cancer, and so he, 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 knew, he knew the loss, and, right. and he was— you know, there by my side, and I couldn't have asked for a better, better man to be with me. That's fantastic. Yeah. So your wife did have the babies yes. by C-section, yes. and she was still in very bad shape at that point. Yeah. So this is on July seventh, nineteen ninety-five. Um, they were born, um, and my pastor was able to, uh, in the NICU unit, go to their incubators. He baptized them with, uh, you know, little dropper of water, and uh, he welcomed them into God's kingdom, and then kind of began began the, the fervent prayer, um, both for my wife as she was um, kind of slowly recovering uh, from her surgery, and her blood pressure started to go back up, um, but then kind of focused on, on the boys at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were how many weeks along? 26. 26. So the chances were. Yeah, back then, um, they were, they were only really, you know, maybe a few, few weeks away from their lungs being, um, uh, mature enough for them to have made it. And, and even then the, I remember the doctor telling me, you know, we're not going to do anything heroic here, you know, just kind of nonchalant. And I said, those are my sons you're talking about. And they mean everything to me. And I want you to do everything that you possibly can sure, for my sons. 
Um, but but in the end, um, yeah, they, they were only able to survive for, for the day. And then we lost them uh, the next day on July 8th. Now, when he baptized the twin boys, you named them? Yes, yeah. So, um, again, we, it was kind of interesting because we only had a couple weeks to really consider the fact that we were about to have two sons. And, you know, it's hard enough mm-hmm. to find names. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, so um, our first son that was born was Joshua Daniel. And Daniel's a, a family name, and Joshua's obviously uh, a biblical name, um, and then also Daniel is as well. And then Zachary Dale, and again, kind of going with family names, and my middle name's Dale, my dad's middle name's Dale, and so um, at my second son that was born, Zachary, we wanted him to have that family middle name to, to carry on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we were able to give them their Christian baptized name. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you said they only lived for a day. Um, now, during that time, you were praying to the Lord yeah. to spare them. Yes, yeah, that was uh, that the whole entire night. I did I did not sleep. I, I prayed for my wife and her recovery, um, but I, I did. I just kept praying to God. You know, one of those negotiations that you do that you know, God, if you spare my sons, you know, I promise I'm going to be a good Christian man. I'm not going to take my family for granted. <laughs> When you realize the value of of your children, I remember all four of my kids after that. When we brought them home from the hospital, it was like a bag of gold. You mm-hmm. couldn't have, you know, taken the grin off my face just because I knew how how valuable they were to me. But um, but just negotiating with God, I I promise you, God, I'm gonna be a good Christian man. I'm gonna be a good Christian dad. I'm gonna be a good Christian businessman, and I'm gonna serve you, and I'm gonna raise my kids in the faith, and and all those things. You know, I just remember talking to God about. Uh, his mercy and and you know just please please spare my sons give me give me this miracle but as you had mentioned earlier he he provided a miracle in a different way mm-hmm. so they they did die did you were you holding them yeah so um we had our family uh had come down by that time um we we're a few hours away and and pretty much everybody was in the room together and uh the doctors had said you know we've done everything that we can um, they brought them to us. Um, they had their beautiful little outfits on that were hand <laughs> knitted for them with their little booties and hats and just these beautiful little children with all their fingers and toes and just um, a gift. I mean, they just were, were a gift to us. And so we had a few precious moments. I mean, it really was some of the most precious and yet hard moments in my life, but I got to sit in a rocking chair, and I remember holding my son Josh in my arms, and um, and then his little lungs, you know, just couldn't couldn't do it, and so um, I just remember um, he passed, and a little blood came out of his nose, and my wife just looked over to me and said, is he gone? Hmm. And it was the hardest thing I ever had to say in my life, but I said, yeah, babe, Josh is gone. And then uh, she was holding Zach, and um, then I got to spend some time with Zach, um, and kind of the, the same thing where, uh, you know, we had a few few um, precious moments with our son Zachary, and then um, he also died in my arms. Such a horrible... <clears throat> Probably the worst thing that you've ever had to go through to yeah. lose two twin boys. I mean, I would not wish it on my worst enemy to go through that kind of torment and suffering. Um, 
it just uh, is so unnatural. You know, I think death that's what unnatural. that's what just struck me the most is, and obviously, death itself, kind of the separation of our body and soul, was never intended by God and His His good creation. But to outlive your children, to be at their funeral site, um, you know, to be at the grave, it's just it's just such an unnatural thing, and so um, it certainly was a extremely difficult time. And yet, as you mentioned. Um, for all, all of the praying that I did, I, I never could have imagined that as my son died in my arms, I would have such peace. Mm. Um, for as much as it cut me to the heart that I could have that kind of peace. And I just knew, I mean, I knew that as I had him in my own arms, I was handing him into the arms of his shepherd. You know, here this little lamb was being welcomed into heaven by his good shepherd. And then again with with Zachary. So um, at the same time as it was such an extremely excruciating, painful moment, also just uh, overcome by such a great peace to know um, that they were, were in heaven. Yeah. yeah. And so that other miracle that occurred was this new miracle, N- not new faith, but just renewed faith. Yeah, just Is that the way you. I don't exactly know how you would describe it, <laughs> no, but good, but yeah, you, I, I mean, heard your story. Yeah, yeah um, renewed, maybe. Re, yeah, just renewed. Um, yeah. Things became so much more vivid and real for me. I mean, you hear. I, I've said this before too. Like all those things I learned in Sunday school about sin and death and um, and forgiveness. You know how how the, it came off the pages. You know, it's so real to me. Again, everything was going as planned and success, and then hear all these things happening were actually all the things that I had learned uh, in Sunday school, you know, about God's forgiveness and his mercy, about the wages of sin being death and how I've passed on my sin down to the next generation, and yet God has given his own son so that my sons would be in heaven with him. So so definitely um, I just didn't have those kind of experiences that I, I had get, gotten from this experience and uh it really did uh make my faith so much more strong and real (laughs) well i want to talk a little bit more about that but i want to make a few announcements and then i want to talk a little bit more about the thorn Hmm. in our flesh (laughs) that we sometimes experience that uh, helps us often Mm -hmm. grow in our faith today family shield is giving away the booklet what is faith in jesus to request a complimentary copy Call the Family Shield Response Center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us, witness2family at gmail.com. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations and is also available through our podcast. Family Shield is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Why not plan to attend our celebration dinner on Sunday, October 13th in St. Louis, or give a gift in celebration of this special event? Gifts help us pay for this radio program and the podcast. You can send gifts to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website, familyshieldministries.com. Thanks again for your prayers and support. I want to go back to my guest, Reverend Stephen Shave, Director of Urban and Inner City Mission and Director of Church Planting for the LCMS Office of National Mission. Right before uh, I made the announcements, we were talking a little bit about this renewed faith 
that he had. And I think one of the things that you shared is that you felt the thorn in your own flesh. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah, so I, again, kind of hearing things throughout my my Christian uh, childhood, and and I'd heard about Good Friday, I'd heard about the Garden of Gethsemane, but to to be there, uh, like I had mentioned before, in that hallway, and, and just the the suffering and the prayers and asking God, um, you know, that if this cup could pass from me, just to get just a small small taste of what Christ must have gone through on that Thursday and then Good Friday, you know, I'd heard so many times about God gave His Son, God gave His Son. You know, it's almost like a formula. We hear God gave His Son, but then to actually hold my son in my arms as he died, mm-hmm. and to think about a father mm-hmm. who would give his son willingly for me, this wretched, sinful man, that he would do that for me, um, to know the the pain of watching your son not be able to breathe until his final breath, to, to see that and with my own eyes, and to realize that my God in heaven would do that for me and for my salvation and for my sons, um, I, I had a much greater understanding of what all these things truly mean in terms of how, how good and gracious and merciful our God truly is. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the thorn in our flesh, we also think of Jesus having the thorn of crowns mm. pushed into his head yeah. by, by the soldiers and others. Yeah. So that just it just kind of came alive, yeah, to, a little more alive yeah, than it just was Yeah, just to understand what that truly meant to bear the cross um, and what it meant to— to sacrifice and and even uh, you know so uh, again successful business person and fancy suits and fine dining i mean when you have your children baptized and to be robed in christ you realize that there's no designer suit in the world that I can compare mm-hmm. to having my kid robed in christ's righteousness there's no there's no meal um that even comes close to what god gives to us in uh the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ in communion. So all, all those things um, bearing in your own flesh and coming to these realizations really um, gave me a much greater appreciation for what it is to know God's grace, absolutely, and that it's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. So you discovered God's grace is sufficient. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of Paul's words, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, as he's dealing with this thorn, uh, and he's asking God to take it. He, God then in turn says, you will see that my grace is sufficient. So for me, again, um, pleading and begging for God uh, to spare my sons, I, I did see that his grace was sufficient and that um, he's taken those little lambs to be with their good shepherd. And then um, I think about it, Job, mm-hmm. uh, and that was one of the things my pastor uh, pointed out to me um, to read, and I'm reading about Job and all his afflictions and how his children had died, and just, um, you know, he gets back double of all those kind of earthly abundances, and yet his children, he actually gets back the same number of children instead of double. And I always wondered about that, but my children weren't gone, mm-hmm. you know. That's, right. That's you know, he That's didn't right. double the number of children as if the children were completely gone. Mm-hmm. Job believed in the resurrection. He said he'd see it with his own flesh and blood eyes again. Um, and so God gives him back seven children. And then Job says, you know, I, I, it's written in, in, in the flesh. And so he's 
going to see with his own eyes that the resurrection is to come. So, so that was very helpful for me to, to realize like my, my son's just like Job's children, they're not gone from me, they're but they're, they're there and, uh, and we will all be together again. So yeah, you bet. that's what grace is. <laughs> it is. That is God's grace. So it, obviously it changed you because mm. you weren't a pastor back then. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, were you even ever thinking about no, becoming no, a pastor? No. It just totally, not at all. radically changed yeah. your life as it I don't know how to say that, but just renewed your faith. Well, I, and I was a Christian businessman, and, and all throughout my career, I tried to, to you know, live out my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, just to give you a little idea of what happened, I was actually an elder at my church, very active. Um, I was asked actually to speak at a banquet for a, a campaign that we had going on, and they just said, can you, and they didn't really think about my story per se, but they said, can you tell us what God means in your life? And so they didn't know I was going to give them this account of, of what happened in my own life. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess there wasn't probably a dry eye in the house because it was still so fresh in my mind. And um, it was so meaningful to me. But um, it was just interesting. After we had this banquet and I gave this presentation, I started to get stuff in the mail from the seminaries. <laughs> and so uh, I went and I asked my pastor at the time, like, did you have anything to do with this? Because I never had never ever said anything it. to any seminaries about becoming a pastor and start getting things in the mail. And I said, you got to be crazy. I mean, I, I can do executive boardrooms and I can do spreadsheets and I can do all these things, but like getting up in a pulpit and, you know, that's, that is just absolutely not, not me. And, um, he just said, uh, I think if I can see something in you, you know, just just consider that maybe God does too. Oh. So um, it was actually right after 9-11 had happened. Oh. And that was another kind of jarring thing to see all these sure. orphans and widows and, you know, the, what had happened. But I, right after that, I went and I finally said, okay, I'll do a campus visit. I, I was over in Toledo and Fort Wayne was only like an hour and a half away. And so I went and I did the visit. And as soon as we were done with it, I looked at my wife and I said, I think God's calling me to come to the seminary. And my wife, of course, like with most things, she's a deaconess in the church. And she just said, what took you so long? Oh, really? <laughs> because she knew, she knew. She knew way wow. before me that yeah. uh, God would call me into the ministry. Oh, my gosh. But again, going back to my pastor at my side and at the gravesite, and I do remember I might not be able to preach. I might not be able to do this and that and the other thing. But if I could ever be that man for somebody else, how much that would mean to walk with them through these moments based on what I myself have gone through. And if I could help one, one other person, you know, um, thanks be to God. And it's kind of funny going from the world of finance and money and, you know, to uh, most of my work has been geared around poverty and caring for the poor. And, and God just, how he lays these things out is just absolutely amazing. But no, when I was growing up, I had no, no thoughts. Thought of I have no relatives. My, my family comes from farmers and, you know, they did plant churches when the LCMS was first getting founded, but no, um, no ministers except for maybe one way, way back generations. But God knows what yeah, he's doing. He does. <laughs> yeah. And today you are the director of urban and inner city mission and the director of church planting mm. for the LCMS Office of National Mission. So maybe just we have a little bit of time left. Tell us 
just a little bit for our listeners about church planting. Maybe one uh, church that's unique or different that just comes to your mind and and what our listeners would want to know about that. Yeah, so um, I was very blessed uh, being kind of a tech entrepreneur through seminary to have the seminary say, have you ever thought about starting a new church? And so then I went into church planting, and that was through back then the North American Missions um, Department. So I was able to be a church planter um, and then went from doing that kind of in the, the deep south to coming up to Cincinnati, Ohio, a very different setting in the inner city and kind of replanting an urban uh, congregation. And in both places, mercy work and caring for the poor were kind of big, big parts of that. So anyways, it was just kind of uh, uh, God's way again. Um, I then was asked if I would come here to St. Louis to work for our headquarters uh, first to be the director of Urban and Inner City Mission, and then after about a year, um, they asked me if I would be the director of church planting. Cause so two full-time jobs. Yeah, so two, <laughs> two hats, because yeah. we really hadn't They do had, overlap a little they bit. Do, they do, they do, yeah. We hadn't had a department for starting new missions, and so oh. you know they wanted to, to have a church planting department. But like you said, the overlap, you know, when you think of 80% sure. of the American population now is kind of moving towards urban cores, um, and our churches are over 55% rural. I mean, there's a lot of work for us to do in terms of starting new missions, to new people group. And we're the third largest mission field in the world that we have the third biggest population of people that are unchurched. So to in focus, the United States and, yeah, is the third largest mission it, field. Yeah, so yeah. The, the U.S., globally speaking, only India and China have more unchurched people than we do. Right. So it was uh, a concerted effort to start new mission to new people um, and then to, to even reach the least and the lost and uh, really serve God in st- starting uh, and making disciples. Yeah, That's fantastic. We have two minutes left, so okay. <laughs> uh, we probably won't have time to sure. go in-depth. No, no, let me just fine. say for our listeners that, and I may be wrong on the numbers, this is from a while back, that Lutheran Church Missouri Senate has 6,000 congregations yeah. in the United States. Uh-huh. 35 districts, which you work with, and uh, we always have people calling us maybe that don't have a church home, and I just encourage you to go and check out uh, a Lutheran Church Missouri Senate congregation near you, and we can help you through our response center, uh, refer you to some of the churches that are close to you through zip codes. It's easy. So again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. My guest has been Reverend Stephen Shave, and... uh, Uh, We heard his story. It's touching. It's difficult. But God walks with us in and through all of our problems, doesn't he? Amen. 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 He's been good and gracious. He is. He is. So uh, if you want to learn more about Family Shield, you can go to our website, familyshieldministries.com. You can uh, email us at witness2family at gmail.com, and you can call our response center. Again, we're giving away the booklet, What is Faith in Jesus? And we'd love to send that to you at no charge for you, just complimentary from us. Uh, This is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.